Welcome to this episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bouguet, and with us this week is a very special guest. He's a fellow sports business classroom alum from July in Las Vegas. His name is Jerry Christodolados. Jerry, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, how's it going, Garrett? It's uh, it's nice to finally talk again. It's been a little while. Yes, it is. You were uh, you were one of the first uh, people that I met in the the welcome reception. It was uh, it was a pleasure meeting you and a bunch of uh, fellow NBA nerds. You've actually uh, you're in the process of uh, a move right now. You were originally from uh, New Jersey, and now you're you're moving to L.A. Is that right? Uh, San Diego, actually. So San oh, San close. Diego. Yeah. So how yeah. how's all that been going? Uh, it's been it's been hectic, you know, man. It's been hectic, and uh, you've asked me to come on the pod a few times before, and I haven't gotten the chance. So it's uh, it's nice to to finally be on here. Yes, I, I finally roped you in. I um and yeah, I imagine uh, I imagine a car- cross country move is hectic. I just helped my cousin move uh, um to uh, an in state move to her uh, apartment for college, and that was uh, that was challenging in its own right. So I can only imagine what it's like to do a cross country trek. Yeah, man, it's been uh, it's been tough, but uh, almost almost done now. So. Alrighty, well, uh, on on this episode, uh, we uh, we talked beforehand. We're gonna come up with the subject to do the uh, tiers, and we're gonna break down all the teams in the NBA, and we're gonna split it up into the separate conferences, East and West. And uh, we talked about uh, some formatting for it, uh, but uh, it might get a little bit co- more complicated than that. But essentially, we're gonna be doing kind of the conference favorites contenders, playoff hopefuls, you know, teams we expect to be in the lottery, and then also the teams, you know, probably vying for those number one overall picks. So why don't we start uh, in the Eastern Conference, and Jerry, why don't you give me your uh, your conference favorites? All right. So for me, the, the East was a little more clear-cut than the West, I guess, uh, at least at the very top. Uh, I had the Celtics as uh, the sort of lone favorite at the top for now, with Toronto and Philly just a slight peg below. At this point, I think, uh, you know, with Kyrie, Hayward coming back, they should be, uh, they've got a chance to be really special, I think, this year. Um, More question marks about Toronto and Philly at this point, so I had them just a little lower. Okay, well, yeah, I I also have Boston um, at the top in terms of my conference favorites, but I... I also have Toronto pretty much right there with Boston. I think, uh, you know, if Boston's 1A, I have Toronto 1B. I think the Kawhi Leonard trade, them getting the likes of Kawhi and Danny Green, two guys that, uh, you know, are are great wing defenders that can uh, knock down threes, you know, super valuable guys, especially come the postseason. Uh, They're going to be really dangerous, and, you know, they've still got uh, a bunch of talent left over on the roster with the likes of Kyle Lowry, and OG Ananobi, Jonas Valanciunas, Serge Ibaka, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet. They've still got a very deep team. And I think, you know, the the biggest problem with Toronto the last couple of years has been the lack of the true superstar talent. And with Kawhi, they've got it now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, I think Toronto, Toronto might be like the most interesting team in the league to me. I think that they really have a great shot to make the finals. And... They could definitely be, I could see them being better than Boston. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of integrating Leonard into things and seeing, obviously, where he's at uh, in terms of his health. Is he the same Kawhi that we've always known and loved? Right. Um, that's going to be a big question, but I think at the very least they've got 
the tools to be a top five defense again, and this time maybe uh, a team that we can rely on more with a guy like Leonard anchoring things as we head into the playoffs. Like I think Toronto, to me, they might have a worse record than they did last year, for example, in the regular season, mm-hmm. and we we're not really sure what what to expect of Nick Nurse as a, as the head guy there. But I think come playoff time, they could be a much more dangerous team than they were last year. Right, and uh, you know the the reason I I also have Boston at the top too is you know their team that made the conference finals and they're essentially adding two all stars and Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. They're getting you know the added development of their youngsters and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So certainly they're going to be in the mix, if not the clear favorite, uh, to get out of the East. The next team that I was curious about, you mentioned that uh, you had Philadelphia kind of near the same tier as Toronto. I have Philadelphia in their own tier, kind of in a contenders category, uh, but uh, above the rest of the East, but a little bit below uh, Boston and Toronto. Uh, what what do you like so much about Philly that uh, that you have them on the Raptors level? Yeah, see, I think the Raptors probably have a higher upside, at least this in this one season, than, uh, than Philly does. But, yeah, the Sixers to me are, at the very least, going to be on the borderline and worse of a top-five defense. And at that point, you're going to probably be a pretty damn good team. They've got Embiid anchoring, and then they've got Simmons, Covington, can really lock things down on the wing, I think. And then in terms of offense, uh, you know, they're one of the more unconventional teams, but and they rely a lot on Redick for, uh, for spacing the floor there. But I think that they should be in pretty good shape, especially compared to the rest of the East, which uh, it's not going to be that great, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the Sixers to me are the most interesting team, maybe in the entire NBA, because yes, they you know with Simmons and Embiid, obviously they've got a, a really high floor. You know they're they're going to be a playoff team most likely, barring you know horrendous injury luck. But uh, you know with a guy like Fultz who you know, is a number one overall pick level talent. I think most teams would have drafted him number one, and then obviously all the the issues with his jump shot that uh, and the drama surrounding that last season. But if he comes back and his jump shot is even 80% of what it was when he was in college, he's another guy that uh, adds a real dynamic dimension uh, to that Sixers team. Yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, we're going to see now, I guess, they lost... They lost Ilyasova, they lost Bellinelli, guys who were probably, you know, overperforming what they what they are. But uh, those dudes were kind of, you know, part of some key bench units that really helped them out in the playoffs. Um, and I'm interested to see how things are going to work out with the bench this year. Um, where for a lot of the beginning of the season last year, it really struggled. And then as the Sixers went on that big run late in the season, their bench production really picked up. So we'll see how it goes this year. I was excited for them to get Bielitsa initially, but uh, he ended up leaving. So right. That was, that was kind of a bummer. Yeah, I thought he was going to be even an upgrade over a guy like Ilya Sova at that spot. So, yeah, that was a big blow. Uh, they did, uh, in my opinion, fill the, the hole of uh, Bellinelli by acquiring Wilson Chandler essentially for nothing. They, they basically just took on his contract and even, I believe, got a second-round pick in the deal. But he's a guy that started last year for Denver. Uh, he's you know just a solid wing player. He's nothing special, but 
as a guy that uh, you know can just soak up some minutes, uh, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, and uh, even though he's coming off of a somewhat down year from uh, in, in Denver last year, he should be, I think, a pretty decent addition to the Sixers squad and, and, and fit what they want to do pretty nicely in terms of being interchangeable on the wing and then providing at least some shooting touch. And, you know, the the only reason, again, that I have Philadelphia just a, a notch below the likes of Boston and Toronto is the question marks around Fultz. You know, if uh, if... If we could confirm that all of these rumors about his shot being fixed were true, then you know maybe I would put them up in the tier of Boston and Toronto. Uh, but uh, but until I see it on the you know during the regular season, him knocking down jump shots, uh, I'm going to be skeptical. Yeah, and and then maybe more of a structural thing for them with him beat anchoring the defense. You know, we saw Boston really give him hell in the playoffs last yeah. year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we're going to see an even better version of that Boston team, who knows? I mean, they could really, really have some trouble compete with with the Celtics. And then if the Raptors are as good as we think they have a chance to be, um, I think Philly might be might be comfortably third in that uh, in that trio right there. Right, and you know the the idea. I guess the looking at. From the Sixers' perspective, you know, looking at it optimistically, you know, the the fact that their top two players, Simmons and Embiid, are still so young and don't have a ton of experience, you would expect some some crazy growth. But but again, Boston has some young talent that uh, you should expect some leaps from them as well. So so yeah, I think you're right that uh, that, that Boston is at this point still uh, you know comfortably ahead. But uh, how about uh, moving on uh, down uh, the Eastern Conference pecking order? Who do you have below those uh, those top three? Yeah, so uh, after that group of three, I have another kind of tier of three teams that I think should be pretty rock-solid playoff teams, um, barring uh, some bizarre catastrophic injuries, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think kind of the group of, of three here next. I've got the Bucks, the Pacers, and the Wizards. Okay, in that order? Probably in that order, but uh, again, I could see it kind of going any which way. Yeah, I um, I agree with uh, I agree with the three teams. I would uh, I have Indiana at number four, a, a little bit above Milwaukee, as I as I talked about on my uh, last uh, last episode with uh, with Scott Levine, where we covered our top thirty NBA players for the upcoming season. I had Victor Oladipo uh, ranked ninth, which I think shocked some people, uh, but. Uh, he, uh, he's a guy that I, I think is going to continue to improve. He's still very young. He's in his mid-20s. Uh, and they've got a really young roster with uh, Domantas Sabonis and, uh, and Miles Turner. And they added some, uh, some much-needed scoring and bench depth in the likes of Tyreek Evans. So I really like where this Pacers team is. And I think, uh, in my mind, they are just a, a step ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks. But, uh, you know, with Giannis, he's going to be... Uh, you know, a guy that uh, will keep the Bucks in every game, and with the addition of uh, Coach Mike Budenholzer, you could see a, a big step up in the in the overall play of the Bucks. Yeah, that that's really for me. I think the the kind of uh, the angle here. I think Giannis. I mean, we've seen him improve pretty substantially every year of his career, um, and even from last year where he was uh, pretty pretty awesome uh, and. Uh, an early MVP candidate, at least before the Bucks totally fell apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he could improve again, and then there's 
there's just those you know pretty simple improvements that I think the team could make uh, that could push them into the high 40s wins uh, and really get him to the edge of the MVP conversation, if anything. And the, the Pacers, I, I agree with what you said about the Pacers. I think they're going to be pretty damn good. Uh, Oladipo is a, a great, great starting point for them. The addition of Evans really alleviates a lot of the bench problems that they had last year. But at the same time, uh, they could be in for some offensive regression. Uh, this was a team that took a lot of mid-rangers last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a guy like Turner isn't going to spread his range as far out, uh, you know, Darren Collison led the league in three-point percentage last year. If he takes a step back, you know, we might see the offense, you know, be a little less effective. Um, I think they're going to finish probably right around where they did last year in terms of win number. Maybe 48, 49. I could see them in that range. Okay, so it's it's not as much that the Pacers are going to regress a ton. It's more that you think the Bucks with with Bud are going to get into maybe even that 50-win tier. Yeah, I think they could push for 50. I mean, they have the talent. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of whether they improve on defense. I mean, that's I think that's probably the most important thing. Because uh, they have a lot of talent defensive players. I mean... Bledsoe's taken a few steps back since uh, really his heyday with the, with the Clippers back in the day and early in his Phoenix tenure. But they've got Giannis, they've got Tony Snell, who's sturdy enough, and then uh, Chris Middleton as well. A lot of a lot of guys that are interchangeable there on the wing. Uh, the front court could be an issue for them. Uh, you know, John Henson has never really been the most exciting big man and they they're going to be starting him most likely uh, well and they there. they got uh, they got brooke lopez though too who may start that's true that's true and also thon maker I, I it's going to be I, i'm curious to see how that rotation plays out because the past two regular seasons especially maker has been a total non-factor and yeah in the playoffs has been a, a revelation yeah it's like it's like uh, playoff rondo there's playoff maker now as well yeah exactly uh Lopez should definitely help their offensive spacing, uh, which has always been a problem for this team, especially playing lots of bigs that have no range at all from Monroe back in the day, and then Henson. Zeller is also on the roster. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, we will never see Zeller play ever again. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, oh, trust me, as uh, I was a Cavs fan back in the day and watching Tyler Zeller his first couple of seasons, I mean, that was that was brutal. Yeah. Yeah, not not the greatest, but uh, again, Lopez, not the worst defender, uh, but not a particularly sturdy present. So so we'll see. I mean, the, the hope here is for for Maker to become a legit rotation guy. He's got some range too on the offensive end. So ideally, he would be a great fit. But again, we'll see if he's ready or not. And you know they they added uh, Ilyasova as well. A couple of guys like yeah, as you mentioned, I think that Lopez and Ilyasova are great fits in terms of just giving the team a little bit more shooting around Giannis, which is what you need around a superstar that isn't a great shooter himself and likes to attack the basket. But uh, defensively is where I kind of see those you know the those players as not as great of fits. You know they they seem to have a roster with with Bledsoe at point who's a really sturdy strong. Uh, six four like point guard with a guy like Giannis at the four. You seem to be a team that and and Maker when he's playing well in the playoffs. 
Uh, all those guys are really good at switching. It seemed to be a defense that could kind of go in the mold of what Houston has done the last couple of years and be you know, a very switch-heavy uh, defensive team. But with the likes of Lopez and Ilyasova, you can't do that as much. Yeah, and, and then uh, they've got some guys that are suspect, I would say, two-way players at best, right? Like, who are they going to be closing with? Are they going to be playing Tony Snell, who's, you know, not the most reliable shooter out there, offensive player, always been a really, really low-usage guy? Mm-hmm. Or are they going to be playing with Brogdon, uh, who can hit some threes, but not necessarily the most reliable defensive presence? Uh, so... Again, I mean, they're going to have some things to figure out as uh, as the year starts here. Yeah, it'll it'll be fascinating to see. But yeah, I um I agree with you that Milwaukee and Indiana are are, are really tight. I ha- I project Indiana to be a little bit higher, but I, I think it will be very close, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way. Uh, but then you also mentioned Washington, which I had also in that tier of about three teams. Uh, I have them uh, firmly in the sixth spot in the East. You know, they, they made some, some minor improvements to the roster. You know, adding Jeff Green to come off the bench is, you know, he's uh, he's been disappointing for a lot of teams, but uh, as, you know, an eighth guy, I think you could do worse. You know, they, they added Dwight Howard, who has been a disaster with his last couple of teams, especially in the locker room, always calling for post touches and things. But, you know, he theoretically uh, could be an upgrade over Marchand Gortat. And a guy like Austin Rivers, another guy uh, that uh, that can create a little offense for you, knock down shots and, and play decent defensively. Uh, so you know Washington should be should be a a contender uh, in that middle portion of the Eastern Conference, and a lot of it'll depend on the, the the quality of play of John Wall, which I thought last year was one of his weaker seasons of his career. Definitely, definitely, and, and he really resorted to the mid range shot a lot last year, and he was not particularly great at converting it um you know this team again if you're you're adding in Dwight and Austin Rivers to a, to a, a chemistry situation that hasn't been the greatest is uh, a little alarming <laughs> yeah. um I mean those guys can be effective players though you know Rivers at least is going to bring it on defense he's going to try um he can take some of the uh, offensive creation duties Although he's not the most willing passer, but but off the bench, the Dwight versus Gortat comparison is interesting. I mean, uh, we'll see. I mean, how much does Dwight have left in the tank? Can he can he anchor a decent defense at this point? I'm not really sure. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting question, and yeah, you know, he he still put up solid numbers last year he still rebounds he still you know gets double digit points through putbacks the occasional inefficient post up and and the like but uh yeah it it is definitely a question at this point whether or not uh, he actually impacts winning and uh i guess fortunately for for washington's sake uh you know a lot of the issue uh, around their chemistry stuff last year was involving marchin gortat so maybe it'll just be a matter of replacing uh, a, a center that gave you chemistry issues with another center that'll give you chemistry issues, but maybe a center that uh, is a little bit more uh, effective on the floor. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, he could theoretically be a, a decent fit, you know, running to the rim, and, and this, has always been the, this has always been the thing with Dwight. Is he going to be willing to make the sacrifices that are really going to help the team? Uh, as opposed to, you know, like you said before, 
being prickly, asking for post-ups, and, you know, not playing in a way that, that can really make his team better. Uh, so, we'll see. Uh, another thing, uh, you know, beyond Brad Beal, Porter a little bit, this team also is going to struggle maybe from deep. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, Jeff Green, not the most reliable guy. Austin Rivers, not the most reliable shooter. And they lost Mike Scott, who was pretty good for them last year. Yeah, was one of the uh, best mid-range shooters in the league last year. So, we'll see. I think a lot is a lot of it is obviously just going to ride on, on Wall. And if he can get back to the form that he was in two years ago, where he was really uh, one of the most dynamic point guards in the league, I think. Yeah, that's that's the other interesting thing is, yeah, I feel like there are a lot more regression candidates on this roster than guys that you can expect to get better. I mean, Oubre is certainly a guy that you would think at his age will will improve, but, you know, I feel like Beal and, uh, you know, Porter and Wall are kind of who they are at this point. Now, maybe just Wall getting healthier will will produce better than he did last year, but, but yeah, I mean, Austin Rivers, I feel like, is kind of who he is. Jeff Green is certainly not going to get better than he did than he played last year. Uh, so yeah, this team I feel like is is kind of stuck where they're at. They've they've added a little depth and uh, maybe a little bit of talent upon their roster than they had last year. But uh, you know you could you could certainly see some guys drop off. Yeah, yeah, and maybe those you know those depth additions will be will be enough to get them in the forty six forty seven like that win range because you know. When these guys are rolling, when Beal and Wall are, you know, in Fuego, we've seen this team can win 48, 49 games. Uh, and the problem has generally been really poor bench play. So if, if we see some bench improvement and uh, and get more of what we're used to from Beal and Wall, they could, I mean, they should probably be, I, I think the sixth best team in the East is, is right where they belong, I would say. Yeah. Okay, so uh, who do you then have in your in your next tier in the Eastern Conference? Uh, next, I would say there are four teams fighting for the last two playoff spots. Okay. I think the, the best of these is Miami. Yeah. Uh, and then a little further down, we've got the, the Knicks of Detroit, Charlotte, and Cleveland. Right, yeah, that's uh, that's literally that's the exact order I have it as well, and I also have Brooklyn right behind Cleveland as a team that you know maybe if everything goes right and if the East is is uh, is really bad this year, where a team with thirty eight wins might get in, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Brooklyn is in the race. Yeah, I've got them eleventh as well, and I think uh, those are the teams that really have a fighting chance, maybe for for the seventh and eighth spots. Well, yeah, I uh, I feel like Miami uh, is another team that I'm pretty confident will get in. I just think they're a team that they've got enough enough depth. They've got, uh, you know, I really like Eric Spolster as a coach. They're going to play hard. They're going to play good defense. And, uh, you know, they've got, uh, you know, enough offensive talent with the likes of Goran Dragic and, uh, you know, um, Josh Richardson improved his offensive game last year a little bit as well. Even Justice Winslow started to show a little bit of ability to knock down some corner threes in the playoffs last year. So I think they're going to have just enough offense and be a consistent enough defense to be uh, probably you know the last lock I have to to most likely make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean we know exactly what this team is. Yeah, 
uh, it's been pretty much the same roster for the past two seasons. Um, and like you said, they were, I think they finished seventh in defensive efficiency last year. They're going to be rock solid on that end. They've got uh, a lot of guys that are, you know, a lot of wacky dudes. <laughs> they somehow get it done. You know, that's just the Heat's MO. And then on any given night, you never know who it's going to be. It's going to be James Johnson, you know, dishing out five assists and getting three blocks. It's going to be Dragic. It's going to be Winslow was a nice improvement last year. Um, you know, two years ago, he was miss almost all the year with injury, so it was nice to see him back and, and stroking the three, as you said. Um, but, you know, this is... The Heat are who, who we thought they were. They've got Wayne Ellington, uh, who's their probably their best shooter, and uh, they might rely on him a little too much, even. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the spacing can get pretty scrunched for them. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think that they could be in the market for some kind of trade. Um, beyond that, I mean, if, if the roster is the same, I, I think they're going to be right here in the seventh spot. But they could be a trade candidate. You know, they've got some scrunched finances, uh, probably a bit of a Hassan Whiteside fatigue as well. Yeah. Uh, and we saw rendered pretty ineffective against the Sixers last year in the playoffs. But I, I don't really know... Uh, who on uh, this roster is, is going to be that interesting for other teams? Yeah, that, these guys are a little Yeah, that's what I was just about to ask you. I, um, you know, they they've got they've certainly got the money uh, tied up in contracts that they could make moves. But but yeah, are are any of their guys on their current contracts an asset? I mean, you look at a guy like Tyler Johnson. I believe signed uh, a deal which uh, ballooned in salary in his last couple of seasons, and that is is now here. So he's getting paid like nineteen million a year. You know, they they gave guys like uh, James Johnson and uh, Josh Richardson and uh, Dion Waiters and Kelly Olynyk all multi-year contracts in the forty to fifty million dollar range. Uh, yeah, is is there anyone on this roster that uh, if you were an opposing GM, you would be interested in trading for? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, Winslow, if if he were to have a, a shaky start to the season, he might be a guy that teams are willing to pursue and take a flyer on, see if they can bring him into their system and really get him going and turn him into what he was supposed to be. But I don't know. I mean, Tyler Johnson, maybe next year when he's an expiring uh, other than that, I'm not. I'm not really sure. It's uh, they're kind of stuck in no man's land as well. I mean, maybe somebody would be willing to go after Whiteside, but I, I highly doubt it. Yeah, and and again, the guys that uh, are um, that Miami, I think, would be most willing to trade are the guys that other teams are least interested in. You know, guys that uh, teams are are actually interested in. Like, you know, if I think a, a Josh Richardson, I would be interested in his opposing team, but he's probably the guy Miami, you know, covets the most. Yeah, he might be their best player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a it's a tricky situation, but certainly for for this upcoming season, uh, I, I think they're uh, they're pretty they're a pretty safe bet to to make the playoffs. Because again, even even in the event that like a, a Hassan Whiteside gets hurt, you know, you've got. Bam Adebayo and Kelly Olynyk that can both play minutes at the five spots. They've just got enough depth to me that even with some injuries, I think they'd be fine. Especially in the East. Yeah, especially in the East. I, I think that they should 
they should really make the playoffs. Yeah, they don't have much of an excuse to miss out. So the, the next couple of teams, you mentioned Detroit and Charlotte as, uh, as competing for those spots. And, and did you have Detroit ahead of Charlotte for that eighth and final playoff spot? Uh, I did, but to be honest, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked by either of them making it, you know. Mm-hmm. Those, both of those teams are, are about the same, uh, same level to me, I would think. And, and both of them somewhat depressingly so stuck in, you know, stuck in that middle of the league morass where they're going to be winning 38 to 43 games every year and uh, don't have really a clear path forward. So I guess here's a question in terms of uh, to kind of judge your feelings about Detroit uh, with, you know, the addition of Dwayne Casey. You mentioned when we were talking about the Raptors that maybe they they won't win as many regular season games this year as they did last year, but they'll be a better playoff team. Do you attribute that a lot to Dwayne Casey? Like, do you imagine he's uh, a really good regular season coach? And if so, uh, how much of an impact will that have on uh, on Detroit's season? Yeah, I, I hadn't given that a ton of thought. I, I, I don't know. It's tough to say with Dwayne Casey because especially a lot of the offensive improvements that were made last year were attributed to, you know, Nick Nurse and a lot of other guys on the staff. So it's, it's a little difficult to know exactly what kind of input he had on that team. Right. Beyond, beyond uh, on the actual court, beyond the sort of chemistry, personal relationship uh, area where he's, you know, said to be one of the best coaches in the league. Well, and I, I think, uh, you know, in, going back to Casey's time with the Dallas Mavericks, he was more known as a defensive guy. And, you know, to his credit, the the Raptors have been a top-five defensive unit. They were last year, and they've been in the top ten the last couple of years. So he has gotten them to produce with, uh, you know, all-right defensive talent, but I wouldn't say they've had elite defensive talent the last couple of seasons. For sure, for sure. And... and- you know, I mean, a lot of them getting absolutely torched by Cleveland these past few years is just that the Cavs were a really, really bad matchup for them. Yeah. Uh, especially before they acquired Ibaka, um, and then just having love spritz them out and really kill them. But, again, that's that's all in the past, the good old Raptors. Uh, so back to Detroit, I guess. You know, we'll see. I, I'm not especially excited about this team and you know with Blake Griffin on the roster how do you I don't know how do you see things playing out for them yeah I mean it's uh you know a lot of it will depend on the health of Blake Griffin of course he's missed a ton of games over the the last couple of years and throughout his career really uh, but, uh, you know, you got to imagine that him and uh, Andre Drummond their chemistry is going to continue to get better and as we've mentioned with the Eastern Conference, you know, these last couple of spots, they, they may be below 500. So even if Detroit can be a team that maybe, uh, if, if Dwayne Casey's defensive coaching, at least in the regular season, is real, and he can get this team to be a top, you know, even 12 defensive outfit, uh, you know, that, that'll that put him in position to, to compete for these playoff spots. Do you think that they could actually get up to that point? with Drummond, say, anchoring their defense, who's, you know, been known as a guy that's not especially disciplined and hasn't, has really kind of been a disappointment on that and given his physical tools. 
Right. I, I think he, um, you know, yeah, he's definitely disappointed and he's he's not as good of a defender as he should be. But I think that almost makes him a little bit underrated defensively because I still think just based on his pure tools and his, his pure size that he still has a positive impact on the defensive end. It's just not as much as you would want it to be. Uh, and, and I think Blake Griffin kind of gets a bad rap defensively too. I think he is a guy that, you know, when committed is a, is an above average defensive player as well, albeit not anything special. Uh, so I, I think they have enough, uh, you know, enough at those spots. They just added uh, Glenn Robinson the third in, in free agency, uh, so he's going to add some depth to the wing. Reggie Bullock, guys like Reggie Jackson, when when they're healthy, they've got enough uh, guys that uh, are decent enough defensively to get the job done. is obviously going to be a big concern for these guys. Um, you know, with with Drummond in the paint, Griffin, who's extended his range out, obviously, but isn't the greatest shooter. Uh, they've got a lot of dudes that are pretty shaky uh, on that end of the floor, especially, oh, we always come back to Stanley Johnson. Maybe this will be the year that he can really learn how to shoot threes. Uh, right. That had happened. Yeah, he um he he's he's definitely a uh, an interesting candidate, and and it's really kind of a make or break season, I think, for him. You know, if he's going to be a guy that spends a decade in the league, I think this year he's going to have to show something, or else, you know, in a couple of years he might be gone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, uh, so that was Detroit, which we both have at right at that eighth spot. So Charlotte, uh, you know. To me, they're they're one of the least exciting teams in the league. They're basically Kemba Walker, and uh, you know, uh, you know he's he's going to to carry them potentially. And uh, if he if he misses any time, to me, that's going to be uh, basically a, a death sentence. Yeah, we've seen this movie before with them. I mean, was it two years ago that uh, losing Cody Zeller basically derailed their season? Yes. If, if if any one of their main dudes misses serious time, I mean this. It's just going to go down in flames. And, yeah, it's it's it really is one of the least exciting situations, you know, in the whole league. You know, Walker is going to be expiring at the end of this year, uh, and what they decide to do with him will really give us a glimpse at, at how they're going to play out the next few years, probably. Well, I mean, from, from all indications, I think they're going to hold on to him and hope to sign him to a big deal, but... In the event that he would, uh, you know, they keep him, don't get any assets for him, and he leaves in the offseason, they would uh, be basically where Brooklyn was a few seasons ago in terms of their future outlook. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, my God, maybe even maybe even worse. I don't know if it's possible <laughs> to get worse. But, uh, you know, uh, in terms of additions, they added Tony Parker this year. To, uh, to try to shore up that uh, that backup spot where they had uh, Michael Carter Williams playing some minutes last year. Yeah. So I guess that's a theoretical upgrade. But <laughs> right. Tony is 36, going on 37 now, I think. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, he he did not have that great of a season for San Antonio last year. At times, he even was uh, was relegated to even the third point guard behind both Patty Mills and. I'm blanking on the the starting point guard for the Spurs, uh, the youngster. There we go. Yeah, Murray and uh, and Mills. You know, so 
I, I don't know if he's going to be any sort of a savior for that team, and certainly he's not going to be able to, to step in and be a real positive starting point guard in the event that Kemba goes out. But uh, as you said, and, and I agree with, they're, they're not very exciting. Uh, but moving down uh, some more to some more teams in the East, we, we both had Cleveland at 10 and Brooklyn at 11. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on those couple teams? Yeah, Cleveland, I guess there's a version of this team where, you know, we see Kevin Love get re-energized by the exit of LeBron and the team is all galvanized and they, they really push hard and they win 40-plus games and they make the playoffs, but I don't know. Uh, I don't really see that happening. Um, I feel like they're probably going to try to win and just aren't really that good. Well, and the, the most recent news is they did uh, they did sign Rodney Hood finally. I think he's basically the last big free agent domino to fall. Uh, but uh, they, they signed him. Yep, yep, it was. It was the qualifying offer. So uh, they, they've got him for one year and that he's probably going to be upset and just walk. But, you know, he's another guy that I think may, may help them win games this season, which might not be for their best interest because they owe that top 10 protected pick uh, to Atlanta. Yeah, man, what a, what a fall from grace for Rodney Hood. I mean, just, I feel like, two years ago, he was the guy that everyone, you know, would always point to as, like, oh, I can't believe they passed on him, Rodney Hood, and now, I mean, he's signing for the qualifying offer. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and, you know, that, uh, that game three of the finals was a perfect example of why everyone was so excited about Rodney Hood. You know, he... He can he can knock down the three, can create his own shot in the mid range, and get to the basket. Uh, he's got good size at six eight. You know, uh, he uh, there there is a reason why teams were excited about him. But yeah, the the behavior issues and, and some of the drama with all of that, and, and the fact that he was uh, relegated to a role behind Jordan Clarkson, even though Clarkson I think was was really horrible throughout the playoffs for the Cavs as well. But God, but yeah, it's it it. it it's been it has been quite a fall from grace. Yeah, and uh, you know I just don't I don't see it for this team. I mean they were 29th in defense last year, ahead of only the Kings, I think, which is not particularly reassuring. And uh, the only defensive talent that they've added really is David Nwaba, who I, I don't really know if he could uh, he could single-handedly save anyone's defense. Right. Uh, and, and then. Is Love the same guy that he was a few years ago? You know, I, I think, you know, he's getting towards his 30s, just signed that big extension. I'm just not sure he's the same guy. Well, and he's not, you know, he's not the same guy physically, just, uh, you know, he, he, he lost a lot of weight, I think, in large part to, to be become a little bit quicker defensively. But, uh, uh, you know, a part of the reason why he was so effective in Minnesota was, you know, being able to average about 14 rebounds and really bully guys inside. I don't know if he can do that quite as well as, uh, as he used to. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, when he's, if he's going to be, you know, taking post touches and, and trying to back guys down, first of all, he doesn't, like you said, he doesn't have that girth anymore. And he's become a lot less effective scoring buckets down there. Uh, he used to be really one of the better players in the league, and now unless he's got a big mismatch, it's not you're not that confident that he's ever really going to score. I feel like he misses a lot of shots that you would think 
are much easier for him down down towards the basket. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to take it's going to take a lot of things going right for uh, for Cleveland to to make the playoffs. Although I do I do like uh, David Nwaba, as you said, and uh, and Chetty Osman, and and I like Rodney Hood, despite all of the the flack that he's gotten. I, I like some of their talent, and and of course, if Kevin Love puts up twenty seven and and twelve this season, you know that's gonna that's gonna get them in the conversation. But but yeah, it's just too many things that I feel like if 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 six or seven things have to go perfect for you to get in, it's it's most likely that it's not gonna work out that way. But. Uh, just to quickly go over kind of some of the bottom teams in the East, uh, you know, Brooklyn, I think, is a team that they've added some talent in the offseason. They added the likes of, uh, of Ed Davis and Shabazz Napier, uh, both from Portland, who were, were key contributors to that playoff team. So I think that's going to help. They're a team that, that plays the right way. They play hard. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to be solid. They're going to compete every night. But I just don't think they have the top-tier talent to get in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I... I think they, they got a lot of solid players, like you just said. So I, I think that their floor is like relatively high. Like I can't really see them winning less than, I don't know, let's say like 32 games, 30 games. Mm-hmm. That would be their floor to me. Uh, they could push the, the very low 40s if everything goes right for them. But uh, a lot of that's going to depend on how D'Angelo Russell really shakes out this year. Right. And, and they... last year, again, was... Not too, not too reassuring in the maybe D'Angelo Russell can can become a superstar, uh, you know, narrative. Right. They, you know, they they gave up a a first round pick and took on Mozgov's horrible contract with the hopes that that uh, Russell would pan out. And, and as you said, last year was not reassuring. But uh, you know, he did suffer with some injuries, and he's still he's still very young. So. You know, maybe that will work out, and, and Brooklyn certainly needs that to work out for them to have anything cl- resembling a bright future. Uh, even though they've done a lot of things right since that, uh, you know, that whole horrible KG and Paul Pierce trade back in the day. Uh, but uh, moving down uh, to some of the the bottom feeders in the East, I have Chicago twelve, Orlando thirteen, New York fourteen, and Atlanta fifteen. How do you have it shaking out uh, near the bottom of the conference? Uh, almost exactly the same, actually. I got Chicago 12th, Orlando 13th, and then I flipped Atlanta and New York. And that's mostly because Porzingis is going to miss. Now, who knows how much time. <laughs> right. And, yeah, I mean, I if uh, if I knew Porzingis was missing the entire season, I would probably have it the same way. But just even if he plays a third of the season, I feel like that might be enough to get them over the hump over a, a team like Atlanta. Yeah, and... and I guess it depends when he's going to come back, right? If they're just a total disaster and they're really in the running for one of the top lottery picks, maybe they just ease him back in and he barely plays at all, right? Yeah, that's that's but, definitely a possibility. But if they if they do want to, if they want to, you know, they they have big aspirations for next summer as well. They want to bring in two max guys. Maybe he's going to have to prove that he's back and healthy and you know the kind of guy that could be a real star. Uh, so, so we'll see. I can see that going either way. I'm, I'm not really sure yet. Now, uh, Chicago is uh, is kind of interesting. There's been a lot of hype around this team after getting you know Jabari Parker and and re-signing Zach Levine that they're going to be some juggernaut offensively. Uh, you know, with uh, Lowry Markinen having a, a, a pretty impressive rookie season and and uh, their their rookie from Duke uh, having a, a really impressive summer league. 
They, they've got it. They've got some young talent on there, and a lot of people think they're going to be really good offensively. I don't necessarily see it. Um, you know, Zach Levine was was awful last season, and uh, they they still don't have a, a, a ton of shooting on the roster. Uh, and and I think defensively, they're just going to be one of uh, one of the the two or three worst defenses in the league. Yeah, I, I think the defense is the real concern here for them. I mean, they're going to be playing. Numerous guys that are just uh, not great on that end. I mean, especially Parker and uh, and Levine. Really, those are the two suspects that is, that immediately come to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have a hard time. I don't know seeing this team as anything better than a bottom five defensive unit. Right, and even uh, and even guys like uh, Wendell Carter Jr. and Marketin, who uh, you know have shown flashes of, uh, you know, some defensive skills. They're still young big men, and uh, they, they both have their own limitations on, on that side of the ball. Yeah, and, and you know, Laurie has, has put on, apparently, something like 15 pounds of muscle, they've been saying, in the offseason. Mm-hmm. So maybe help. Uh, get up on the defensive end, but, uh, but still, he has a long way to go. Um, and then they lost David Nawaba as well. Maybe right. their best defender. And then on the other end, like you said, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, theoretically, the potential for them to have a pretty damn good offense is there. Uh, they've got some guys that I think fit Hoiberg's, you know, desired play style. Like, they're going to want to run. They're going to want to shoot. And they got some guys that can do that, but... Again, I, I don't know. You know, Levine, like you said, was really coming off of a disastrous season for him last year. I mean, understandable given he's coming off an ACL tear. But, uh, you know, if he's, he's a high-volume guy and if he's not going to be that efficient, I mean, I, I don't really know what this team's offensive ceiling Right, I mean, just if I just rattle off some some of the best offenses from last year, you know, you've got Golden State, you've got Houston, you've got Minnesota, you've got Denver, uh, you have teams like uh, Toronto and uh, Indiana. Uh, you know, you you quickly start going down the list, and you say, well, is this team even if they hit their ceiling, is this team even like a top eight offense in the league? I say no, and if you're around even like nine to eleven on offense and 28 to 30 on defense, you're probably missing the playoffs. Yeah, and then and beyond that, I mean, who is going to be creating for this team? Right. You know, Chris Dunn, beyond that, they have a pretty shaky guard rotation. So, I, I, I don't know. If, if Chris Dunn misses any time, right, we're going to see the, the Chicago point guard carousel back in full effect. We're going to have campaign out there. Uh, and that's not particularly, you know, thrilling. Is there anything uh, anything else you felt necessary to say about the likes of uh, Orlando? Oh, jeez. Uh, a lot of the same team, you know, a lot of the same Orlando. Yeah. You know, they've got, they've got some talented big men, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba. But beyond that, right, I mean... Well, and Isaac and Bamba, I mean, I, I'm not sure they're really contributing to winning at this stage. They're certainly enticing prospects, but, uh, you know, outside of Aaron Gordon, I don't know who on their front line is actually, uh, you know, a winning basketball player at this stage. Yeah, and then, 
you know, who <laughs> the same question for for this team as for Chicago. Who's creating for this game? Right. Right. Who's filling up those minutes at point guard. DJ Augustine. Last, <laughs> last year, Shelvin Frickin Mack led this team in assists, right? Yeah. Uh, so they've got Augustine and Jaron Grant, I think, uh, as the only point guards on this roster, and that's um, that's concerning to say the least. Yeah, I mean, guys like Vucevic and uh, Fournier, like those guys are, are fun basketball players to watch, but they're they're you know one way players that uh, that that again I don't think help teams win that much. So yeah, they're they're certainly going to be near the bottom of the East. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. I am Garrett Bouguet. If you'd like to contact me, I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Garrett Bouguet. I'm also on Twitter at Garrett Bouguet. And uh, if uh, if you'd like to email me, my email is g-bouguet at onu.edu. Uh, feel free, uh, any comments, critiques, compliments about the pod, I'm, I'm happy to hear it, and I, hopefully I can get back to you as well. Uh, if you'd like to show your support, uh, for Duncan Dynasty, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, if you can leave a rating and review on there, that's uh, that's terrific. And if uh, if you don't use iTunes, uh, leaving a rating and review uh, on that as well is uh, extremely helpful. But uh, once again, thank you so much, and have a good rest of your day.